What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to Premium Chapter 118 of the QAnon Anonymous Podcast, The Mothman Episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokitansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. A woman prominent in civic affairs in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, was driving on Route 2 along the Ohio River with her elderly father. As they passed through a sector on the edge of a park known as the Chief Cornstalk Hunting Grounds, a tall, man-like figure suddenly appeared on the road in front of them. I slowed down, she told me years later. And as we got closer, we could see that it was much larger than a man, a big gray figure. It stood in the middle of the road. Then, a pair of wings unfolded from its back, and they practically filled the whole road. It almost looked like a small airplane. And then it took off straight up, disappearing out of sight in seconds. We were both terrified. I stepped on the gas and raced out of there. We talked it over and decided not to tell anybody about it. Who would believe us, anyway? This is an excerpt from John A. Keel's The Mothman Prophecies, the book that was eventually to inspire the 2002 film starring Richard Gere, Laura Linney, and Will Patton. The film did pretty well and has become somewhat of a cult classic, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. This isn't a QAA movie night, but rather a strange book report and a journey into the mind of the book's original author, John Alva Keel. The Mothman. There are slight variations on the description of The Mothman, The consensus seems to be that this is a bipedal, humanoid-type creature. Some describe it as wearing clothes, a dark cloak, or coveralls. Some say its body is covered with fur. Others claim it's coated with translucent skin. A handful of people have described the creature as having no head at all, and that its eyes seem to protrude out of its chest. Many agree that the thing resembles a large bird or large bat. One woman, who claims to have witnessed the creature, Faye Laporte, describes what she can remember of the creature's face. It had a nose like people had a nose, but it was, I mean, you didn't see a point. It was kind of round with nostrils in it. Uh, I don't remember a mouth because, like I said, the eyes just, that's where your tension went to. There are two things that nearly every account agrees upon, however. That the creature has giant glowing red eyes and that its wingspan stretches the length of an entire country road. The legend goes that the Mothman itself is the harbinger of doom that with its sighting comes tragedy and despair. Hearing its high-pitched screeching causes people to become sick and vomit, and staring into its eyes for too long is said to drive people mad. Although the sightings of the Mothman as it appears in John Keel's book are concentrated to the Point Pleasant, West Virginia area between November of 1966 to December of 1967, Keel details many previous accounts of people going on record claiming to witness large, flying, humanoid-type creatures. Early in January 1948, Mrs. Bernard Zayolowski reported seeing a sizzing and whizzing man with silver wings maneuvering about 200 feet above her barn in Chehalis, Washington. The Air Force scoffed. Four months later, two laundry workers in Longview, Washington, about 40 miles south of Chehalis, claimed to see a trio of birdmen circling the city at an altitude of 250 feet. When they first came into sight, I thought they looked like gulls, but as they got closer, I could make out that they weren't gulls and I knew that they were men, Mrs. Viola Johnson told reporters. 
I could see plainly that they were men. They wore dark, drab, flying suits. I couldn't make out their arms, but I could see their legs dangling down, and they kept moving their heads like they were looking around. I couldn't tell if they had goggles on, but their heads looked like they had helmets on. I couldn't see their faces. Somebody was on some pharmacist-approved Novocaine. <laughs> I love I love the idea of seeing these you know these winged beasts with two little human legs kind of like dangling down below. I just it think rocks. it's such a funny sight. I mean, I guess in '48, did they already have those kind of like parachutes that you, where you kind of look like that when you fly? Did she not just see just like three? Possibly. Possibly. These were these were, these yeah. were experimental paratroopers or perhaps rocket men. Rocket men. The rocketeer. Also. I love that in four, in 48 that they fucking call uh, women by the full name of their husband, <laughs> Mrs. Bernard Skalowski. <laughs> Unbelievable. Fuck. Long before that, in the late 1870s or early 80s, beachgoers laying out on Coney Island, New York, spotted a man wearing black with giant wings attached to his back flying thousands of feet above the ground, performing, quote, aerials and acrobatics for the crowd. In fact, it became such a phenomenon that the New York Times wrote an article about it on September 12th, 1880. Julian? An aerial mystery. One day last week, a marvelous apparition was seen near Coney Island. At the height of at least a thousand feet in the air, a strange object was in the act of flying towards the New Jersey coast. It was apparently a man with bat's wings and improved frog's legs. The face of the man could be distinctly seen, and it wore a cruel and determined expression. The movements made by the object closely resembled that of a frog, in the act of swimming with his hind legs and flying with his front legs. What the fuck am I reading? <laughs> Of course, no respectable frog. What? Co Come on, man. What? <laughs> respectable frog. What is this shit? Of course, no respectable frog has ever been known to conduct himself in precisely that way. <laughs> but were a frog to, to wear bat's wings. Oh, yeah. But were a frog to wear bat's wings and attempt to swim and fly at the same time, he would correctly imitate the conduct of the Coney Island monster. When we add that this monster waved his wings in answer to the whistle of a locomotive and was of a deep black color, the alarming nature of the apparition can be imagined. The object was seen by many reputable persons and some reputable frogs. <laughs> and they all agree that it was a man engaged in flying towards New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god man okay it, so that is a legit come on that is a legit article from the new york times i actually went into their archives to get it that's amazing they'll have the, they'll have the cryptid beat like they used to you know they really yeah, I don't know. well I, I was i was gonna say you know i i feel like newspapers back then were essentially just circus advertisements so yes. i'm not surprised that someone was assigned to the winged creature beat but also i love how painfully bad the writer is at just describing how this thing was moving that they have <laughs> right. to get to the point where they're calling frogs respectable I mean, that's that's when you know you've failed to describe physical motion. When suddenly there are uh, frogs coming in in suits and fucking tuxedos. And well, sir, no respectable frog would kick his slimy yeah, right. little legs in such a fashion. <laughs> but would he wear bat wings? You can't buy bat wings. There's no little stores for frogs where you can go buy other animal parts that you strap on. This isn't Mario World. 
Let's be real though, in the 17 and 1800s, there was no shortage of dudes trying to craft themselves a pair of wings out of parchment or some <laughs> shit to show off to the other wigs at the cigar club. I mean, Leonardo da Vinci famously studied the patterns of birds in an effort to create such a contraption called the ornithopter, uh, but it never materialized. There are, of course, loads of guys who have fallen to their deaths after jumping off buildings and cliffs in an effort to prove to the world that they had achieved human flight. It wasn't until 1962 that a man by the name of John C. Wimpany, real name, flew on a craft powered by his own strength. He named the flying machine the Puffin, and it flew 993 yards at a height of above 5 meters. He did not break any bones, and his record would not be beat for 10 years after. Whoa, that's pretty good. I do I like mean, the yeah. idea of people being like, I'm Mothman! <laughs> well, there went Mothman. Yeah, dudes do be trying to fly without airplanes. <laughs> there is also uh, a, I'm sure you've heard of this, Julian, but there was a story about this famous guy from France who had invented his own parachute that yes. kind of looked like wings. It was like a they big were wings, piece yeah. of cloth. And um, yeah. he, he you know, walked up to, he wanted to jump off of the Eiffel Tower to prove that it worked. Mm -hmm. And on the day, literally everybody is trying to talk him out of it. The friends who came yeah. with him, uh, the journalists who were there, you know, the weather was kind of iffy. So they were saying, oh, well, at least just postpone it for another day. This guy's like, nope. He goes up to the top of the Eiffel Tower or, or the first, I think maybe the first yeah, sort of rung. High enough, believe me. High enough, and uh, he the the shoot as soon as he jumps, the yeah. shoot just wraps around him oh, and yeah. he falls to his death, like right yeah. and dies right then and there. Well, the main but, issue with um with his suit is that people uh, had told him, rightfully so, that he had uh, jumped in the past from uh, shorter uh, heights and failed and hurt himself horribly every time. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, and this... so they knew there was no point at which this thing worked. Yeah. And poor, they were like, don't guy. you want to use a safety rope just in case? And he was like, no, I intend. I intend to show the worthiness of my invention. And the New York Times was like, he was a respectable frog. And now he's dead. <laughs> what I love about this is that, is that people kept trying to make flying suits and man-powered flying machines that didn't work after powered flight was already invented. <laughs> Like, like they, we had figured it out and there was like a certain science to it that was being developed. But like, oh, nope, I want to sew some carpets together and, and jump to my death instead. What about the flat earthers that like they're that guy who died with his like homemade rocket? It's like, but we we have all this stuff. You don't yeah, need to. Dudes really do rock. <laughs> dudes, dudes, rock. dudes rock. Dudes rock. Speaking of dudes that rock, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the author of the Mothman prophecies, who who in and of himself is is an incredibly interesting guy. John A. Keel. Now, before we dive into the events between 1966 and 1967 in the town of Point Pleasant, I think it's important to give a little background on the grandfather of the Mothman, John Alva Keel. He's so vital to this story because, in a lot of ways, he is the story. You have been listening to a sample of a premium episode of QAnon Anonymous. We don't run any advertising on the show, and we'd like to keep it that way. For five bucks a month, you'll get access to this episode, a new one each week, and our entire library of premium episodes. So head on over to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe. Thank you. Thanks. I love you. Jake loves you. <laughs> <laughs> Ha ha ha!